This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I've got a great show lined up for you guys here. On this episode, I sit down with Greg Clements from The Hunting Public. Today, Greg and I talk turkey. And uh, with the upcoming turkey season right around the corner, the, the time couldn't be better. Uh, before we get going, I just want to talk about Vortex Optics Canada. You know, Vortex, they have a wide variety of optics that will fit every hunter's needs and budget. With Vortex Optics, you don't need to spend thousands of dollars to get a great product. They have great optics you can pick up for just a few hundred bucks. Plus, all the Vortex Optics products are backed by the VIP warranty, which basically means you buy it, you buy it for life. Um, Maybe they should call it the lifetime warranty. Anyway, head over to VortexCanada.net to check out all the stuff they got over there. On the last episode, you heard me talk with the founder of the Backroads Maps books. Um, if you listened to the beginning of that episode, you also heard me mention that uh, they're now a supporter of this show. So head on over to their webpage, backroadsmapsbooks.com. Pick up any of their great products. Use the promo code FOCUS, and you're going to receive 10% off your order. Well, this sucks. Doing. Doing well. Trying to turn up the audio so I can hear you a little bit better. How's that? Any better? Uh, a little bit. It's not my keyboard's not giving me the option to turn my audio up. So maybe there's an option within Zoom here. I can move my mic a little closer to my mouth. Maybe that'll help. That's not bad. Some big mule deer you got in the background there. Yeah. I love chasing mealies, man. Oh, yeah. So uh, where are we hitting you up from today? Uh, I am at home in southern iowa i guess i would we call this the uh, the thp world headquarters although we pretty much spend most of the time on the road so we're, we're rarely home and rarely all together unless we're out in the field so iowa i picture that being uh central u.s yep pretty much smack in the center um came through a pretty rough winter i mean we it was really cold there for a while had more snow than uh, than we ever have here that i can remember in the, in the 10 years that i've been living here 
Um, had some temperatures down into the, you know, negative 15, negative 17, stuff like that. But uh, in the past week here, it's warmed up into the 70s and the snow is gone. And it's starting to feel like spring. Yeah, it's cool. That's one thing I, I love about these podcasts is I get a chance to, to talk and meet people from all, all over the, the U.S. It's pretty neat. Yeah. So uh, you originally from Iowa? Uh, from Nebraska. I grew up along the Missouri River, which essentially I could look across the river into Iowa. So from the Midwest, um, went to school at Lincoln, Nebraska, and then uh, met my wife there, worked there for a couple years, and then uh, moved over to Iowa for work. Oh, yeah. And now we've been here for the last 10 years. Nebraska, what was that like growing up? Uh, it was I don't, It was real enjoyable. I mean, I I like rural areas as opposed to living in a big city. I mean, lived in a town of about 7,000 people and had hunting hunting and fishing opportunities right out the back door pretty much. You know, the Missouri River is right there. So our family was big into cat fishing and uh, it was good deer hunting, pheasant hunting, turkey hunting, and then uh, spent a lot of time in, in western Nebraska, which is a totally different landscape. You know, it was only four or five hours away, but there you get out into open country, sand hills, prairie type um so yeah i mean i like nebraska a lot of a lot of diversity there across the state from east to west how did, how did you get into hunting was that uh through your dad or grandpa yeah totally a totally a family thing yep pretty much the entire family uh hunted uh, you know within my immediate family my my dad my mom my brother and even my sister shot archery a little bit so pretty much everybody within our immediate family you know was involved in the outdoors in some capacity and then it extended family you know cousins and and uncles and a grandpa that, you know, that all hunted and fished and spent time in the outdoors. My grandparents on my mom's side have a farm or had a farm, um, on the edge of town. It was 160 acres. So that's, you know, that's basically where I grew up, you know, spending as much time out there on the farm as possible, you know, as four or five, six years old out there running around with a BB gun, chasing sparrows and starlings and rabbits and squirrels and stuff like that. And then, you know, over time as, you know, got older, transitioned into, uh, you know, pheasant hunting and turkey hunting and deer hunting. So that, uh, that was kind of my story. I've been involved in the outdoors, you know, ever since I was little. Well, I guess you, you grew up hunting whitetail down there. Yeah. Yep. Primarily whitetail. That's, that was probably the big thing. I, I couldn't legally hunt deer until I was 14. So, you know, from the age of about nine on, I, you know, spent a lot of time bow hunting for squirrels and rabbits and stuff like that. Um, you know, as, as much as I possibly could. And now thankfully they, you know, the, the legal age, actually, I don't think there's a legal age in Nebraska anymore, you know, as long as you have, you know, an adult with you. So, you know, those, those years leading up to when I turned 14, you know, I, I tried to fill as much time as I could, you know, honing bow hunting skills by, you know, going after rabbits and squirrels and stuff like that. We don't do a lot of squirrel hunting up here. It's not very big, but it's starting to to, uh, to take off. So I, I'm uh, my my son. He's nine years old. Uh, next year, he's legally allowed to hunt. So he's uh, nice. he's bugging he's bugging me to go chase some squirrels with his bow. So <laughs> we'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, it's, I don't think there's any better way than you know introducing somebody into hunting than small game and and perhaps turkeys too. That's a that's a, a great way to get started. Oh yeah, turkey hunting's turkey hunting's big. I, I was hoping uh we could get into some details about turkey hunting a little later here. That's uh Oh sure. One of, one of the things we got uh opening up here pretty soon is spring turkey. So but uh maybe uh Greg before we get uh too far ahead here maybe you can just uh fill everyone up here in Canada on uh 
on who you are, maybe just give the the uh, elevator introduction on on what you do now. Yeah, well, there's there's a, a group of us that have that um, created a a digital media company we call the Woods Guys Inc. So that was myself and Aaron Warbritton and Zach Fahrenbaugh. Um, You know, we all uh, left our jobs at about the same time when we're um, you know good friends. We'd worked together and we're you know, didn't have jobs and trying to decide what our future looked like and what we wanted to do. So we, we ended up deciding that, you know, we were going to start our own digital media company and uh, that the hunting public was going to be what we focused on at least right out of the gate. Cause that's, you know, we'd come through uh, working at Midwest whitetail. So we had been in video production, outdoor video production for several years. And, you know, that's, that was kind of what we were all good at and what we enjoyed enjoyed so we transitioned that into the you know into the hunting public and had we had a couple interns that first year and we just went out and um, you know filmed our adventures of hunting public land and uh, then the following year got into uh, turkey hunting and you know so within within about a year you know we started to grow uh, subscribership viewership and um, you know, from then on the past couple of years, it's just been kind of a, a whirlwind, really, you know, spending a lot of the time on the road during spring turkey season and during deer season, just creating content for the hunting public um, on the, the YouTube channel and then, uh, you know, our other social media platforms. So we spend probably seven, eight months out of the year just traveling around to different public land and creating content and hopefully, you know, and and encouraging people to get out and try public land, showing that there are you know, opportunities available on public land. You can have success, you can have fun, you know, promoting the social aspect of hunting, you know, ever since the beginning, really, it's, it's been all about um, a team effort. And uh, so we've been doing that for three and a half years now. And, you know, just after starting out, we now have uh, four more full-time employees. And, uh, you know, if anybody's watched the show that, you know, probably, you've seen most of those people, um, you know, kind of jump in over the years. My wife, Mindy now works for the business. Um, we've got a guy, um, Hayden Krimmer is our brand manager. And then we have, uh, Ted Zangerly and, and Jake Hubschman are our full-time employees. So we're still a relatively small group, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we, like I said, we spend a lot of time just traveling around and promoting hunt, public land hunting opportunities. Yeah, that's cool, man. It's it's only been three and a half years, eh? Because man, like, uh, I remember my my brother first uh, introduced me to you guys, um, or, or to your your content anyway on YouTube, and I think that was about maybe a year ago, I'd say. Um, yeah. So what you guys that started the three of you have uh, you guys were buddies growing up, or? Um, no, we all met through uh, where we had worked at Midwest Whitetail. Um, Aaron and I worked together for six years there. And then Zach came in as an intern a little bit later down the road. So, you know, when we started THP, I'd known Aaron for six years and Zach for about two. So we were all, you know, working together there and then all left at about the same time. And like I said, we're just kind of sitting around trying to decide, you know, what we should do, uh, you know, for future plans. And, uh, you know, we just, like I said, we had, you know, that's what we've been doing for so long is, uh, creating outdoor hunting content. And we decided to, to give it a go with that and, and go in a direction that it felt like there was maybe a little bit of a, a void in, uh, outdoor hunting media. And that was the focus on, 
um, hunting public land and uh, more of a, a team aspect, a social aspect to hunting. So that's, that's where, you know, we felt like we could, you know, best fill in that void and kind of have our own niche. So when you guys started this, was that just the, was that kind of your intentions right from the get go to make this a full-time gig? I would say when we first started the the media company, our, our thought was to, you know, to try to diversify as much as possible and, you know, try to have as many different uh, avenues of, of bringing in money as possible. We just, we started with the hunting public brand because that's what we knew best. But as it, as, as it turned out, you know, it, it's grown to the point where, you know, that's basically 100% of our focus. So maybe at, maybe at some point we'll, you know, take on different kinds of projects, but uh, for right now, uh, that's, that's our focus. <laughs> you guys have had enormous success in those three and a half years. I mean, like, like you got tons and tons of YouTube followers. You got tons of followers on your Instagram, your Facebook. What do you attribute that success to? I mean, do you think it has a lot to do with that public lands DIY style of hunt that, uh, that you guys offer? I think that's part of it. You know, a big part is just the sheer amount of time that we get to spend in the field for sure. You know, um, again, we travel seven, eight months out of the year and, and hunt hard during that time. You know, just, just the sheer amount of time is part of it. I would say the, the evolution of our hunting style to more of a run and gun, um, maybe a little bit more aggressive style probably has part of it. Uh, you know, w- within our group, I would say we're, you know, pretty diverse personalities and, you know, different hunting styles and tactics have kind of evolved over time. You know, if you, if you've watched and see the way that Zach hunts, for example, he's a very impatient person, so he can't sit still for very long. So he's just constantly moving and, and thinking and, and trying different things, hunting off the ground. And, you know, that's, he's kind of evolved his style of hunting to something that really works for him. On the other end of the spectrum, I would say for myself, I'm maybe a little bit more patient and, you know, maybe I spend a lot of time self-filming, which is, you know, a little bit tougher to be really mobile and to, to do spot and stock and stuff like that when you're trying to film and shoot at the same time. So, you know, we've just found that, that I would say overall that, you know, being, being mobile, the run and gun style is I've probably been a, a big factor in, you know, why we've had been able to be successful, you know, in, in a bunch of different states. Yeah. Well, I think that diversity between all three of you guys is something that, you know, almost every hunter, they can kind of articulate that too. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really fun watching your guys' stuff. I, I, uh, the last month there, I've, I've been hitting up your elk hunting videos, so, um, they're pretty good. Yeah. Where do you guys do your, uh, your elk hunting? Uh, so far we've done, uh, Colorado and Wyoming and Aaron has, uh, elk hunted in Arizona in the past, but that was, uh, prior to the hunting public. So, you know, hit a, hit a mix of over the counter States, you know, Colorado, for example, parts of it are over the counter and other areas like where Aaron hunted in Wyoming last year, that took him seven to eight years to draw that tag. So we're trying to get to the point where we, we do more of those Western hunts, elk hunts, and it's kind of, we've got enough guys in our group now that, you know, hopefully we'll have some kind of elk tag every year, if not, you know, at least every other year to where, you know, a group of us are going elk hunting. Now you guys being from Nebraska, is there any States where you guys can just go hunt elk where you don't need to, to, to build up those points, like just open season? Mm, I think Idaho has opportunities for over the counter. Colorado does for sure. Uh, possibly Montana. Most of the, you know, the, 
since Zach now lives in Colorado, he's kind of working on, you know, learning some of those public lands to where, you know, even if it's a general tag over the counter, a lot of that public land gets hit really hard. You know, he's, you know, starting to learn it more and to where those hunts, you know, become a little more reasonable to do. Otherwise they're typically fairly low odds and, uh, you know, run into a lot of hunting pressure and maybe a lack of quality in the, in the bulls in those areas. But I'd say more than anything, we focus on, you know, draw units where you know the quality of the hunt may be a little better but it takes a few years to get that tag it impresses me with your guys's management down there for the amount of hunters you guys have the and the amount of opportunity and i mean you guys still pull out world-class animals from down there it it uh, it really does speak to the way you guys manage your uh, your game down there i mean it, it's uh it's some up here that our government controls um how our wildlife is managed and it's just a freaking mess yeah. Yeah. It really does make you appreciate the, the American model of wildlife management. Yeah. When you, yeah. Especially when you talk to people from other countries that may not have the, the kinds of opportunities, you know, the multitude and quality of opportunities that we do here. Yeah. Well, I mean, like in our province, I mean, just over the counter for any resident, you could go hunt. I mean, you name it, you could pretty much, you could pretty much hunt it in our province, except for maybe, um, antelope but i mean you can't hunt grizzly bear anymore here obviously because mm. they the government shut that down but uh, yeah yeah i mean it's just uh it just amazes me how how well you guys manage your game down there i wish uh i wish the government and the people making the policies on wildlife management they'd look to the south a little bit more <laughs> that's that's one of the things we've enjoyed traveling around and getting to experience all these different areas is that a lot of times you know people will say this area is, you know, within their state, you know, this is some of the toughest deer or turkey to hunt or whatever. And, you know, it's, or it's just not very good or the public land is too pressured. And what we've, what we've found in most of those places is, is there's really still good hunting opportunities. If you work at it, you know, we've went to some of the States like uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, and Georgia, and, you know, had good hunts there where, uh, you know, in areas where people, you know, said, you know, good luck hunting the public land here. So, you know, there's, there's good hunting to be had in a lot of places throughout the USA. And, and we're very uh, fortunate to be able to, to go experience that. Yeah, that's cool too. And, and I like how you guys can just go, I mean, you guys are in Nebraska, you can just go, you can put in for um, an over the counter, or you can build up points in other provinces too, which is nice. I mean, for somebody in Alberta to come to BC to hunt, it's, it's a whole process. It's, it's a pain in the ass, quite frankly. I know my brother, he, huh. he used to live in, I mean, he was born and raised in British Columbia, moved out to Alberta, one province over. And for him to come out, come back home and hunt, it's just, you know, it's, it's a whole process. I have to get, uh, I have to get a, um, a permit to a company and you got to fill out a bunch of paperwork and you got to apply for it. And then I got to pay some fees for it. And he's got to pay crazy fees just to come back and, you know, um, hunting in a place that he's hunted his whole life. So yeah, no, it's. Yeah. uh, That's really unfortunate that it would, it would discourage people from you know, getting into hunting or continuing to hunt just because of the, the hoops you have to jump through. It's a pain in the ass. I tell you that much. You guys do a lot of whitetail hunts. Seen you guys, you guys slam some pretty big whitetails down there. Like that's our primary focus, but uh, we would, we're definitely trying to expand into, you know, other types of big game elk, antelope, uh, mule deer for sure is another one that we want to do. And, you know, prior to COVID, you know, we had been thinking about trying to do some kind of hunt in Canada because we, we noticed that there was, we're starting to get a few more viewers up there and, mm-hmm. 
you know, they said, well, you need to come up to Canada and hunt. And, um, you know, one thing I've been eyeing is, um, a, a mule deer hunt in Alberta, you know, yeah. seeing that in, you know, in hunting media, whether on videos or reading about it in magazines, it, you know, it, you know, that, and I guess the, uh, the Edmonton bow zone, you know, were, were a couple that we had, had been considering, but now of course with COVID, it's not quite so easy to, to cross the border and, and do those hunts, but hopefully in the near future. Alberta, man, you see some of the muleys coming out of Alberta, you just they blow you away. There's just my, I've got, uh, like I said, I got my brother and I've, I've got a handful of friends out there and they send me pictures of mule deer all the time. And man, it just, uh, muleys is, it's for me, it's my favorite. I mean, you know, I've hunted moose, elk, goat, you know, you name it. I've, I've hunted it. Uh, but still it's just, you know, muleys, something about chasing that critter sure is a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. It seems like anything where there's opportunities to spot and stock, you know, open country, there's just something, you know, just, yeah, it's just a, really a rush to move in on an animal to, to sneak in and, and get within bow range. And it seems like from what I've seen, that's a lot of what Alberta would be is a yeah. lot of spot and stock. Absolutely. Yeah. I was out there doing some antelope hunting and I was watching your guys' antelope uh, videos this week and uh, it's kind of the same process, a lot of decoy work and mm-hmm that but uh, that's a lot of fun too archery hunting uh, antelope we've got a uh, turkey season coming here quick just over a month and i know you guys you know watching your videos you guys do a lot of successful turkey hunts all over so that's kind of what uh, i was hoping we could get into a bit of detail and you can maybe share a few tips with us uh, canadians up here on on you know uh, knowing that you guys have had so much success turkey hunting when do you guys get started with your turkey hunting well, right now, Zach and Jake and Ted are all in South Florida. So they've, they've started hunting and that's, uh, the earliest season in the States is in South Florida, usually the first week of March. So they're already in the field and they're actually struggling right now. It's, that is a really tough hunt on public land down in South Florida. Uh, but here in about 10 more days. Uh, the rest of us will go meet up with them. We'll hit North Florida and then South Alabama, Georgia, um, Kentucky, Virginia, a um, whole bunch of states in the South. That's just, that's kind of how it works. We start out South and then just work our way North as more turkey seasons start to open. When does your turkey season kind of shut down? I guess, I, I guess it all depends on state to state, but yeah, I guess- it totally depends state to state. And again, it, Generally speaking, the seasons open early in the in the south, and then as you go farther north, they open later. And then as you get up into the in the north, like Maine and uh, other states like that, they may have seasons that don't start until May and and go all the way through the the early part of June. I think June sixth is the the last turkey season is the last day you can turkey hunt in the in the states. That would be in Maine, and that's that's a hunt we're planning to do. So basically from the first part of March to the, the first week of June, you know, we're going to be hunting solid all the way through that. Wow. That's a lot of turkey hunt. So yeah, it's going to be a busy spring for sure. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So in that, like how many birds does that allow you to, to harvest throughout the year? Um, boy, it, it, yeah, it just totally depends on how many States we hit and how many guys we have hunting and how many tags they have. There's, right. there's some States where you can shoot a lot more turkeys. For example, Alabama, the, the bag limit, uh, historically has been five. Wow, that'd be nice. So you could, I think when Zach was there, he started there last year, him and Jake and Ted, and I think they killed, boy, seven or eight birds. Wow. In a, you know, in a week's time or something like that. And then there's states like uh, Indiana, for example, that we hunted last year, and that's a one bird state. So uh, Aaron and I were fortunate to tag out on the first morning and that, that was, that was it. I guess Jake came in later and, and continued hunting, but 
Uh, yeah, it totally varies state to state. And I, I will say one thing that, uh, uh, that we've been experiencing here in the States is a decline in turkey populations over the past uh, number of years here to the point where a lot of states, uh, Alabama, for example, they just reduced their bag limit from five to three. Uh, Tennessee, uh, Kansas, and other states are reducing their bag limits just because the turkey populations are in such a decline right now. Well, do they know why they're in a decline? Uh, lots of reasons. And it, it, it totally depends on, on the area. It could be any number of things from habitat loss. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of predators like raccoons, possums and stuff like that. Um, you know, people just don't hunt them anymore like they used to. So predator populations are on the rise. Um, also hunter harvest has increased, you know, COVID, you know, COVID has been terrible in a lot of ways, but also, you know, it allowed a lot of people to, to get out out maybe turkey hunt more or turkey hunt for the first time. So hunter harvest has been up. It's just a, there's just a lot of different reasons. And that's, that's why it's, you know, a difficult problem to tackle is because it's not the same in, in every area. Um, the possums in that, I guess that's, uh, they get the eggs in that, I imagine, eh? Yeah, they're, yep, nest predators and and in some capacity uh, will get poults as well. Coyotes, bobcats, they'll, you know, they'll uh, predate on poults a little bit more. But yeah, there's just, there's a lot of things working against turkeys. And I can't remember what the statistic is, but it's uh, pretty incredible, like how how few uh, toms make it to maturity, uh, you know, as, you know, as for how many eggs that hens lay, you know, there's a very, very small number that that actually make it. To maturity they're just they have it pretty tough yeah they do places i mean from the time that egg comes out they're hunted doesn't matter from who they're just hunted. Yep. you know what i mean yep. like that that's a tough way to live man <laughs> it is yeah and, and the weather has a lot to do with it as well you know cold wet springs will really make for a bad hatch uh, kansas had bad flooding a couple years ago so they they cut their bag limit back like like i said there's just a lot of things going against them so any anytime you are fortunate to harvest one, you kind of, you know, think about that, think about what they, you know, how they, you know, how they survive, what it takes to get to a, an age where you can harvest them. So it makes you, makes you really appreciate them. Yeah, no, definitely. We're allowed, uh, up here, we're allowed one bird. So yep. we're actually allowed yep. one in the spring and one in the fall, but in the fall, I, I've never even seen a turkey in the fall. So, um, yeah, I don't know if, uh, if there's a lot of folks shooting them in the fall, if they have any luck, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're allowed. Yeah, there's, there's fall seasons here too, but it's, it's not a very popular hunt. Not at all. I know. I can't yeah. hardly think of anybody that purposely hunts for turkeys in the fall. Usually it's just more of, you know, opportunistic. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I mean the the spring hunt is it's where it's at and you know what I mean? You're sitting around all winter and then, uh, the snow finally melts and then you get out early in the morning and you hear those gobbles. That's, uh, it's one of the best <laughs> times of the year. Oh man. There's nothing like it. Is, is turkey hunting very popular up there? No, it, it's, uh, it's starting to gain traction, but, uh, it's not very popular. No, I think mostly, I mean, BC is a, a fairly mountainous region. So um, there is public or private land where some farmers and that do have turkey. Now, if you know that farmer, I mean, obviously if you can get on some, some private land, it's going to make your life a lot easier, but yeah. Uh, hunting the birds in the, in the mountains, it's, uh, it's pretty tricky. Uh, it took, you know, I hunted the first time I, I started hunting, I, it took me two years to get a bird. And I, I, that was everyday hunting every morning. I'd, I'd leave here driving an hour and a half hunt from four till seven, drive back, go to work every day, um, for two years. And then I, I finally, I finally was able to get one. And then, 
Um, the following two years, I got one on the first day and it sucked. <laughs> it was uh, my hunting was over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a bad thing about a one bird, uh, permit. Yeah. Especially when he did it on the first, I, 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 uh, I, the first time of that happened, I said, well, next year I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to shoot the bird on the first day. And then sure enough, shoot a bird on the first day. And I was like, ah, <laughs> Yeah. Well then after that, you know, hopefully you have friends that, uh, that want to go hunting that you can take and so you can still get out there and enjoy the experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, that's the way we hit it, but, uh, it's just, just, you know, it's just not the same when you get to hunt them for yourself. Yep. So when you guys are planning these, uh, these hunts throughout the season, um, do you guys have, like, are you familiar with the area? How do you kind of do your scouting and how do you, or is there certain states that you hit every year and you know, they're going to be good? Like, how do you, how do you kind of plan those hunts for the year? Uh, we try to hit different states every year. You know, there's, there's some that we'll end up hunting pretty much every single year. And those are mostly our home states. You know, like I'm from Nebraska, Aaron's from Missouri, Zach from Ohio. Uh, so, you know, we'll all go hunt our home states, but for the most part, we try to hunt uh, different states every year, just so we get experience in, in different areas and, and hopefully can relate to more people that way. So, you know, step one is to, you know, pick out a state that, or at least a region within a state that we've never been to before. And then there's a lot of research that goes into it, you know, either talking to, to friends that have maybe hunted those areas before and have some information, uh, talking to local wildlife biologists, and then doing research online. And once we've picked a spot, I guess once we've picked a region or a state, then diving in and picking our particular piece of public land. And uh, we try to pick a, an area that has either a very large piece of public land where there's plenty of room to roam or an area that has multiple small to medium sized tracks where we can bounce around and uh, you know have plenty of opportunities because you don't want to get to an area, realize that the, there's too much hunting pressure, there's you know very few turkeys there, and then you have to pick up and pick up camp and travel a long ways, you know, try to be as efficient as possible because we're hunting so many states throughout the spring. So efficiency is, is key. So like, like I said, a lot of that, um, you know, starts with the research online map scouting, uh, using Onyx, which is huge. That's actually what I've been doing some this afternoon. Um, my wife and I are going to hunt Tennessee. So I've been maps, map scouting some areas there. And, you know, once, once we get there, um, you know, ideally we have three, four or five guys in camp where maybe one or two guys has the tag and then we have you know, the cameraman and then, you know, somebody that's usually editing or just kind of floating around doing some scouting and, and trying to find birds that way. So, um, yeah, I mean, once we get there, we, you know, dive in and uh, typically start by getting to high points that we've pre-identified uh, within these areas and, and just listen for gobbles and hopefully, you know, marking as many birds as possible and, and then, you know, just diving in from there. When I was watching your videos there, I came across your video, you guys were using the, uh, you're doing your map scouting. And, you know, that's one thing that never dawned on me was to do map scouting for, for turkey hunting. Uh, I mean, you know, we use maps for elk hunting, for sure. goat hunting, for moose hunting, everything basically, but turkey hunting. And when I was watching those videos, I was like, well, yeah, of course, duh. Like, I don't know, I don't know what we've been uh, what we've been thinking because this year we actually had some trouble. We've we've hunted this one area for you know a number of years. It's always been good. It's always we've always had a lot of success in this area. And over the summer, they started logging it. So it, I mean, when we came around in uh, April to go turkey hunting there, we came 
we came down and um, nothing but slashes. We we tried hunting it, and couldn't find a bird to save her life. So we were basically at square one. And um, you know the way we we've had success with with uh, locating turkeys is just walk around and um, just hope for a gobble. And I mean, it took us it yeah. took us a while to find some to find some new birds this year. Um, you know, like, like I said, uh, before it was, uh, you know, you go out first morning, I had those two years back to back where you go out first morning and, um, you get your bird and, uh, it's kind of funny when I said I, w- I would never do it again. That's one thing you have to be careful, careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would you, imagine so, you guys go ahead. I was just going to say, I would imagine you guys maybe have it a little bit tougher up there. I, I would guess that the the turkey density is is probably lower than a lot of areas you know down in the states here so i my guess is you guys like you say you got to work for them pretty hard at times and then you know there's other times where you know they can they can just it can be ridiculously easy and it um yeah it just totally depends on the situation but we found that you know anytime you're hunting public land and uh, there's other hunters on the landscape you know it's it's there's a certain amount of work that goes into it. It's not, it's not always easy. It's not always a slam dunk. When I had, uh, when I got those, those birds back to back years, first opening day, I thought I had it all figured out and then uh, reality sunk in. Right. I mean, you know, I've, I've never come across another Turkey hunter in the woods unless I was hunting with them. So it's not a lot of hunting pressure, but it's just the initial, uh, you know, locating the bird. Uh, finding where they are I mean, it's a lot of there's a lot of country i mean british yep. columbia is 94 percent public land right so a lot of ground to cover so when you guys are using your maps for scouting what what are you kind of looking for water obviously i'm assuming water is water is the big one, one. i say if yep. there's any common denominator it's water you know from east to west north to south that's probably the big thing that we're looking for is a water source that uh, is available year round and a lot of times most areas you go you look on a map and um, you know, on X, you can flip over to the topo mode and it shows, um, any waterways. So, um, you know, any, anything that would have permanent water, whether it's a river, um, lake, you know, any kind of stream like that, those are the areas that's probably the number one ingredient that we're looking for. And then from there looking for habitat diversity where, uh, you know, turkeys have good nesting opportunities. Um, you know, populations are likely going to be higher in areas like that where there's high habitat diversity and, and then also, you know, looking for areas that, that, uh, again, going back to looking for spots that have plenty of room to roam to where, you know, if there's are other hunters in the area, there's, you know, you can keep on moving and, and get deeper in and, and hopefully get to spots where, you know, turkeys aren't being disturbed. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's one thing, again, I, I don't know. Uh, we've had a no, number of instances where uh, we definitely could have used, uh, especially with today. I mean, got so many versions of topo maps up up here. Our version of Onyx is iHunter, so but it's the same mm-hmm. thing, right? It's uh, you know even Google Earth. I mean, Google Earth can be downloaded to any phone, and you can you, know, you can pick yeah. it up pretty much anywhere now. And you no, know, this year I'm going to be definitely going to be looking at it a little bit more here with with a little bit more than a month to go. I'll be going through my maps. Yeah. Do you guys do a lot of hunting for marion birds? Oh, we try to include that every year. Some some kind of Merriam's hunt, whether it be Nebraska or South Dakota, Wyoming, uh, anything like that. Yeah, personally, that's my favorite subspecies to hunt. And uh, yeah, this year we have planned uh, to do a Wyoming and Montana trip. So it's, uh, 
Yeah, and, and those tend, tend to be a little bit later in the season. You know, that's a little bit farther north, so those seasons open a little bit later. So usually by the end of April to early May, we're starting to head west for a Merriam's hunt. And it's, man, it's a lot of fun. The country is beautiful. Um, you know, it's, it's just a totally different feel from the, the south, the southeast, where we typically hunt most of the season. And uh, you get a generally put a lot of miles on both on the vehicle and on your legs because those things like to roam yeah yeah that's that's what we have up here and i think you're hunting big country too so they're a lot of fun i mean they're just they're pretty birds you know they they've got the the whitish colors in their tail fan their gobble is different like they're just they're really unique so i would again personally that's my favorite subspecies and and i i think the other guys whenever you know whenever they get out there it seems like to be the seems like the trip that we enjoy the most that, well that's all we got to work with but uh they're a lot of fun to chase for sure so that's one thing i found i found if it's you know if it's a late spring we fi- we tend to find the birds a little lower in elevation generally speaking they follow the snow line right you know depending on yeah like what kind of spring it is you know if the snow doesn't recede until later in the spring that they may be down lower so yeah it just it totally depends one thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, I've heard a lot of guys use as uh, binoculars when they're hunting turkeys. Do you guys sure. use, do you guys use binoculars when you're turkey hunt? Uh, I would say, yeah, most of the time, 90, 95% of the time we're taking binoculars. I uh, probably the only time that we don't is where we're hunting, you know, usually down in the South where they the cover is so thick that they're really not going to do you much good. I've taken them out when I wasn't hunting, just, you know, when I'm the goater and I've, I've heard guys cruising around just looking for birds up in trees, just roosting or just in the afternoon up in mm-hmm. the tree, just walking around. And, um, I, I don't know if I have the patience for that though. Seems like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Optics are a pretty big part of, of turkey hunting for us, for sure. Yep. I mean, just right, eh? even, yeah, even, even in thick cover, like I prefer to take them just to, you know, if possible, if a bird is coming in to be able to identify that, um, you know, it's uh, a Tom versus a Jake, because sometimes they can fool you with, um, you know, their gobble, uh, body size, and just their, their overall demeanor. And in some States it's illegal to shoot a Jake. So oh, yeah. you gotta, especially in those yeah. States, you gotta be sure of, of what you're shooting at. So, you know, binoculars are obviously a, an asset in that situation. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. Here we're allowed any bearded turkey. So um, as long as it's got yep. a, so, a beard on it. Yeah. So you could shoot a, a bearded hen then legally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you're not, uh, you know, ho- hopefully you can uh, avoid that at, uh, at all costs, but yeah. uh, it's, it's nice to leave the hens yep. in, the, in the woods, but. Yeah. So what about decoys? Uh, um, man, I've never had any luck with decoys. I don't know if really? I, I think most, mostly because I don't know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to set them up or I'm setting them up effectively. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So I've uh, got, we've uh, used a, go ahead. I was going to say, we've used a, a variety of different decoys and it, it just depends on the, the situation that we're, that we're in. Um, you know, if I'm hunting open country, um, you know, kind of hunting back home um, where I've got some private land to hunt and I don't have to go very far because well, I can't go very far. So it's a small piece. A lot of times I'll use a full strut decoy just because of the high visibility. But for the most part, either we don't use a decoy or we just take a single Jake decoy. And those seem to work the best for us. So with the Jake oh, decoy, okay. you know, you're trying to elicit that aggressive response. And if they, you know, respond to the decoy and if they come in, they're probably going to come all the way to the decoy because, you know, they're going to, they're going to try to run them off or um, fight with them essentially. Whereas with a hen decoy, 
you know, if you have that set out, bird pops up, you know, anywhere from, you know, I don't know, 60 to 100 yards away or however far away, they sometimes they'll see the hen decoy and just expect the hen to come to them, which is typically how it works uh. you know, with turkey biology in the in the first place is that the hens, generally speaking, will go to the toms. So you're trying to reverse their behavior and biology when you're when you're trying to call a tom in. Now, obviously, you know, people call turkeys in all the time, but that's why it seems like the Jake works better is just because if Tom sees it, you know, unless he's been whipped up on, unless he's some kind of subordinate bird that, um, you know, more often than not, it seems like they're going to come in confront the decoy. And obviously to do that, they have to come all the way in. Well, I, I think that's why I've never had any luck with them because I've done the exact opposite of what you just said always so using a hen <laughs> yeah like yeah like i have i've got yep. a, a tom decoy i have one jake decoy and two hen decoys now we've i've used just the hens i've used all of them together i've used the tom and i've never had any luck and i've never even thought to use just the jake yeah by himself so there yep. you go yeah that that seems to be our most high odds decoy setup well, I got to give sure. that a whirl this year, definitely. That's awesome. So, what about uh, what type of calls do you guys primarily use? Are you guys depending on situation? Like, do you guys obviously you mouth call, box call, slate call? Uh, but, I would say that we're all about the same in that we'll take a couple different kinds of calls. So, we'll have a friction call, like a slate call, mm-hmm. and then we'll have a mouth call, and we try to try to pack as light as possible. Because again, a lot of times what we're doing is we're running and gunning and rather not be weighed down by a heavy vest full of calls. So, um, you know, the, the slate call, uh, you know, is good for reaching out a little bit farther, especially on windy days. And then that's kind of my general go-to call anyways. I feel I call better on that. And then with the mouth calls are handy because you can get, uh, you know, a lot of different tones with those. And then of course, as a bird's coming in, if you have to finish and, and call to the bird, um, you know, obviously that way you can do it hands-free and not make any movement. So I would say that's, we're almost always have those two calls. And then rarely do we use box calls. I guess the only other call that we might have in our vest is a locator call, like an owl hooter or a crow call. Oh yeah. That's, that was my next question for you about locator calls, what you guys use a crow call or an owl call. Yeah. Those yeah, are must. Yeah. And most of the guys, Aaron especially, but the rest of the guys are getting really good at, at just using their voice and making the, the owl hoot. Oh, that'd be handy. So, yeah, Aaron Aaron's a natural at it, uh, but uh, the rest of the guys have kind of, you know, they just practiced and over time have picked up on it and have gotten a lot better at it to the point where they can do it pretty realistically and, and get the bird to gobble. So it, that's really cool. Yeah, the same with the box call. I, I have a box call, but I found with that box call, you just even carrying it around, I mean, it doesn't matter if you got an elastic on it, singing tight, it always seems to squeak on me when I go <laughs> running around through the bush. So Yeah, and at, uh, at the worst times too. Yeah, I've had I've had the most luck with a slate call. Yep. So just uh and not and nothing too crazy too, nothing. I found at the beginning I I was over calling and like just blew myself, gave myself away too early. So I learned not yeah. to not to overcall too much, and and use the locator yep. call too. Use a crow call for a locator call. That's what yeah. I was the now I got the, yeah. And that's the fun thing about turkey hunting is just you know it seems like there's a lot of mistakes you got to work through, and then once you learn them, you become a lot more effective. 
Yeah, man. And it's, it, it's amazing. You know, everybody, whenever you tell anybody about turkey hunting, especially up here, especially they're like, Oh, I mean that they just don't see the difficulty in it. And you're like, well, give it a whirl. And it, you know, it's, it's hard. There's turkey hunting is hard. It's tough. Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, yeah. I can see how some people are, they, you know, they can be ridiculously easy and, and act really foolish at times to where, you know, people would say, well, what's even the challenge in that? But if you, if you're hunting birds that have been hunted, you know, typically, which happens on public land, it's a whole nother ball game and it, it can be a, a real challenge and it can be really satisfying when you outsmart a bird that has outsmarted a lot of other hunters. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, from, from our experience anyway, we, I was hunting with a buddy and he got a shot on this one bird. Um, and he missed clean miss. Now we chased that bird for weeks after that. And that bird, he just, he was on to us right away. He was smart. He figured out our calls and everything. And he just, soon as he'd be calling <laughs> away, calling away. And then as soon as one of us would call, he just shut up and he'd be like, man, I'm not stupid. I know exactly what yep. you two meatheads are doing down there. You're going to shoot at me again. Uh, uh-uh, Too funny. You guys all use 12 gauges down there to turkey hunt? Ah, uh, we use a mix of, of shotguns. Uh, I would say for the most part, uh, Aaron and I have 12 gauges and Jake and Ted and Zach all use uh, little 20 gauge shotguns, like real like um, youth model shotguns, oh, yeah. which are really light and really easy to pack around. There's uh, yeah. And that's, um, I'd mentioned my wife is going to turkey hunt this year. I'm getting a, a 20 gauge set up for her right now and thinking, man, that would be, you know, that'd be nice. It's so much smaller and lighter and uh, just easy to, to pack. And, you know, in a situation where you got to swing on a bird, you know, it'd be, you know, you just shoot in a lot tougher situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, 20 gauges, uh, definitely shouldn't be overlooked. It's a, it's a great caliber or a great shotgun for turkey hunting. Yeah. I think maybe a lot of guys just figure that's too small, but, uh, I, I, I bought my, my son a 20 gauge and it's a nice, like you just said, it's really compact, really super light. It's a break action. Yep. Uh, maybe I should give that a whirl. It'd be fun to pack around rather than I might. Yeah, big honk yeah for sure. Yeah, especially if you're, that's exactly right. If you're putting on a lot of miles, man, there's nothing like a little 20 cut a couple pounds and a lot of bulk. And then just have some bear spray in your pack for the mixing it up with yeah. a bear. That's one thing yeah. when, uh, up here we gotta, you gotta look out for too, is, uh, the grizzly and black bears when you're turkey hunting. So yeah so yeah that sounds uh a little more dangerous and exciting than than most of the turkey hunting we do there's a few places we go where you got to pay attention but man up there yeah there's there's a lot more stuff like that yeah so when you guys are hunting these different states how do you i mean i imagine every state must have different laws for like what you can use to to shoot with what days of the what hours of the day you can hunt and all that stuff certainly it's confusing certainly yeah it is it that's that's another man, we spend so much time researching the regulations for all these different states because we got to be so careful to even to not make uh, even an innocent, in a, innocent mistake because there'll be people out there looking, watching in your videos, you know, waiting for you to trip up and, and get you in trouble. So yeah, we, that's, that's part of the, part of the game is spending a lot of time reading the regulations and understanding all the nuances. And yeah, and some of the states, um, they they have a cutoff of you know noon or one o'clock for turkey hunting so that's kind of a blessing and a curse it's it's nice because you know, we're, we're forced to cut off and that allows us to to get some time to rest get some editing done and other stuff like that 
Whereas if you're hunting all day long, you can really wear yourself out pretty quickly, especially late in the season when the days are so long. I mean, you're getting maybe two hours, two or three hours of sleep per night. Yeah. I was going to say with all that turkey hunt, I mean, if you guys are hunting for turkeys for four months, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I love turkey hunt, but by May, when May 15th comes around, I'm almost thankful it's over. It's <laughs> like if I haven't already got my bird, but and again, you know, you get your bird on day one and it's, it's kind of, a yeah. bummer, but I mean, it's just the sleep. I mean, yeah, you, yep. you gotta be out there at three 30 in the morning and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it can, it can drain you out for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. we got to pace ourselves. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. So, um, you mentioned, uh, guys watching your videos, they might call you out. Do you guys get a lot of that where, you know, guys call you out stuff and in your videos? Um, no, not really. That's, no. that's been one of the nice things about, um, our, our experience in the past few years. It's been largely positive, you know, almost, almost all positive. You know, of course there are some people that, that may get upset about, um, feel like you're shooting deer that are too young or, um, they feel like maybe you're, uh, giving too much exposure to the public land in their state or the area that they're hunting. So we try to be conscientious of that. Yeah, that's but, what I was kind of wondering is, um, you know, a lot of guys have trouble with you hunting in areas that say they hunt. I was talking to, I, I did a podcast with a guy who runs the the iHunter, which is, you know, similar to your guys' Onyx. And uh, that's uh-huh. one thing we were talking about is uh, guys upset with now there's too many people that, that know of their spot or, you know, they they have hunting access to areas that they didn't know that they had before because of his app and stuff like that. So it was pretty interesting to listen to to some of the stories. Yeah. There. Yeah. There's definitely a, a balance we try to strike between protecting those, those areas for people that hunt there locally and also showing enough that people can learn from what we're doing, you know, learn how we're reading the landscape and, and hunting those areas, but largely been positive. We get a few negative comments here and there where people are upset about one thing or the other, but, uh, you know, for as, as far as the internet goes, uh, we've been very, <laughs> very happy with how positive it's been and how many, uh, you know, the support and the uh, positive feedback and, and people sharing their stories as well. That was, that was one of the things that maybe I didn't mention that in the beginning about what we wanted to do with the hunting public was just kind of, you know, create a, a, a community that, uh, to help grow and, and strengthen hunter numbers and strengthen the hunting community. Because for a lot of years, I mean, and just like with anything, it just seems like there's a lot of, lot of infighting and, uh, you know, hunter numbers have been, been declining over the years. And obviously hunter participation is extremely important for a lot of different reasons. So that was one of the things we wanted to accomplish was kind of create a community and, and, uh, you know, social media platforms allows that interaction, um, you know, between us and, and, uh, people that, that watch. So it's, yeah, we've been we've been very thankful that it's been very positive. Yeah, and you guys approach it in a, in a real positive way too, uh, which is nice. It's nice to watch. So, have you guys ever thought about going to um, to like cable TV? Uh, no, nope, haven't haven't considered that in the in the slightest because there's a lot of uh, downfalls to uh, having a show on a hunting on the hunting or the outdoor channel or sportsman channel or something like that. Uh, when we had worked at Midwest Whitetail, we had produced a TV show for a couple of years. And maybe something that uh, a lot of people don't know is that if you have a show on, on television, you're paying them for the airtime. Yeah. That's so something paying. that was brought to my attention and I had no idea of it till I started interviewing, uh, yeah. you know, a few folks in the industry and I, yep. yeah, I was pretty amazed yep. at that. 
Yeah, it's it's a pay to play model, and it's unless you're one of the top tier shows on those channels, it generally is a you know either a break even or a, a losing money type venture. So that's you know that's what's nice about the internet, um, you know mm-hmm. YouTube and uh, Amazon and all these different platforms is that you know you can create the kind of content that you want to create and and put it up for you know, a relatively low cost of entry, low barrier of entry. And then at the same time, you know, you have the ability for the the interaction with viewers as well. So, yeah, right. you know, there's, we see that comment every now and then that people say, oh, you should have a, have a, put your show on, on TV somehow. And you know, we take that as a compliment because I think that means that they, they feel like it's, it's, um, they like, they enjoy it. You know, it's, yep. a, it's a certain quality, yep. but uh, Definitely. You know, they, they may not realize that, that would totally change the nature of how we produce content and it, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. Well, I mean, the YouTube platform now is it, you know, especially with the generations coming up, uh, I know a lot of homes, they don't even have cable TV anymore. They just they yeah. stream everything. So, yep. uh, and I know my kids, they, that's all they watch is YouTube. So yeah, yeah, yeah. For better or worse. Um, that's, uh, that's where a lot of people are at and, and a lot of, our biggest demographic is, is that younger generation, you know, 18 to 18 to 30, something yeah. like that. And that's where a lot of people are at is on YouTube. So it's, it's a, it's a great way to, to reach people on that demographic. And, and hopefully, you know, for people that maybe haven't hunted or just getting into hunting, it's a, a great opportunity to, to encourage and help them along. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So have you completed your Turkey slam? Uh, no, I, I not have yet. not personally. I think Aaron is the only one in our group that has uh done that the four subspecies the the yeah rio merriam's eastern and osceola and i would say the rest of us probably have three out of four i guess zach he's hunting in south florida right now so if he gets uh, a bird down there he will have completed a slam the rest of us i think that's the last bird what's the the other one there's a grand slam isn't there where you get all all five yeah, I'm trying to think what what it is. A Grand Slam is the four, and then I think it's the World Slam. Oh, the World Slam. That's what it is. Yeah. Is right. uh, that that would include the Goulds. Yeah. And then yep. there's the Oscillated Turkey uh, in South America. Um, so so there's technically six different turkeys you could shoot, but I, I can't remember what it's called, World Slam or, or what it is. But Yeah. Yeah, it's something like that. But uh, yeah, you're right for sure. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun having having different subspecies of um, of turkeys like that because they're all uh, you know a little bit different in in getting to hunt them in different terrain and and that's one of the the fun things about you know traveling throughout the U.S. is getting to experience turkey hunting in all these different situations and scenarios. Yeah, I'd love to make it down there and uh, and chase some birds. It'd be pretty fun. We got uh, out east in Can- eastern Canada. They have the eastern, so it'd be nice to even go out there and yeah. and uh, try a different bird. Yep. But, Miriam's will do definitely. Oh man, Miriam's are my favorite. Yeah. So if you had to pick one animal, what would it be? If you could only hunt one of them, turkey, whitetail, or elk? Oh boy. Oh man, that's almost impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I'll, I'll put it like this uh, for a frame of reference. At the end of deer season, I would say that we're all pretty happy that deer season's over. We're you know, kind of burned out, ready for a break. After turkey season, we're all bummed out that turkey season's over. Right. So, yeah. you know, take it for what it is. Uh, I don't know that we could, that would, that'd be really tough to choose between those three, but we all, man, we love turkey hunting. 
like I said before, if it just breaks up, you know, the daunting winner and you can do it, but uh, there's just some boat chasing those birds that, that makes it a lot of fun. So do you have a bucket list hunt? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, elk, really it's elk and mule deer are the, are the big things. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, maybe something... like I, like I mentioned, um, a spot and stock mule deer hunt, um, like a place like Alberta yeah. or a high country mule deer hunt. That's, that's a bucket list hunt. And then of course elk, so elk anywhere really. But I think elk in the mountains, like you're just your classic you know, mountain elk hunt would be, uh, is definitely yeah. a bucket list hunt until the pack out. And then you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, I think I'm going to wrap this up, man, but, uh, you know, thanks a ton for chatting with me here today. It's, uh, it's been a blast, uh, where can the folks up North tune in and watch you guys? Yeah. Uh, YouTube is our primary uh, location for, that's where all of our up-to-date hunts go. Uh, all of our, all of our videos, the Turkey tour, uh, deer tour, and then we have uh, some videos on Amazon, but those uh, you know come out later. There's the same videos as YouTube; they just come out later. It's just a different uh, location where people can watch. And then, of course, we got yeah. And, and I then guess there's the regular social media: Instagram, Facebook, regular Twitter. social media. And then we have our own website, uh, thehuntingpublic.com. If people want to uh, buy any merchandise, that's where that's at. And that's that's also where our podcasts are housed as well. Right. Yeah. You guys have a podcast too. How's that going? Good. Yeah. Zach, Zach handles that. That's, that's a, a perfect project for him because he loves to talk. He, I mean, he can, <laughs> he can talk for days. So he's, he does a really good job with the podcast. And so, yeah, I just, I download them all to my phone. I listen to one and I, I got it. They're good when I'm driving. I do a lot of driving. Yep. yep I, get to, sure. I get to tune into a lot of them. So it's, it's awesome. Okay, man. Uh, we're going to be watching you this year and uh, take care. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on and, and good luck. You believe that? Wow, I guess it's all worth it.